back to History Homos and with our ex- esteemed repeat guest, Legal Man. Hey, how are you guys? Hanging in there. Uh, yeah. As as good as anyone can be in in these in hashtag these troubling times slash the biblical end times, uh, right? <laughs> or as hey. I like to say, the Kafka esque nightmare that we've all been forced to live in. Crazy. Look, I'm very happy because I've been offered the chance to win. Ooh. <laughs> and what have you been offered the chance to win? Yes, William from England. I hear you ask. I've been offered to chat the chance to win a signed copy of tomorrow's budget. Wow. Yeah, wow. I know. What gracious, <laughs> gracious uh, masters you wow. have yeah. <laughs> to let you in on the inner workings of uh, your Is this something you can resell on eBay or? Well, I, yeah, probably. I, I am. Uh, are you? I'm signed up somehow to the uh, conservative party's uh, mailing list. And. I, I, many times I've thought, fuck this, I'm going to unsubscribe from this. And I thought, oh, no. Every day I get a cringe email. Yeah, the delicious, delicious cr- boober <laughs> cringe. Yeah. So, it, yeah. So, yeah, I get, and the great thing about it is, uh, part of the way they're conserving that the, the uh, lifestyle, you know, the traditional British lifestyle and values. It is they allow me to enter the competition to win said uh, signed artifact <laughs> as many times as I like. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now, is this a PDF or who signs it? How do the I Chancellor. open PDF, Jack? <laughs> I believe it's signed by the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak. And it's only an English, electronically a, a signed. traditional English name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I've, there's a photograph of him in the email, and it's a guy. I thought it was, I thought that was a girl's name, but anyway, um, yeah, I can enter as many times as I like. It's only oh, yes, five, the Sinax of Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 and the, um, they're looking forward to seeing me online tomorrow at 6 45 p.m. for mm. their. In conversation budget day event with Chancellor Rishi Sunak and party chairman Oliver Dowden. Wow. O- Oliver Down syndrome. <laughs> my brush with greatness. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be answering my questions on the budget uh, and I'm giving sure me. They are. <laughs> <laughs> giving me a behind the scenes look at budget day and a unique insight in the build into wow. the build up to it. This is also my chance to win a copy of the budget signed by Chancellor Rishi Sunak. That answers your question, legal man. And I can enter as many times as I'd like with entries wow. of just five pounds each. So, you know, oh wow, and they grift too. Yeah, it is my <laughs> lucky day. <laughs> I mean, there could be nothing improper about. But if you uh, if you if you <laughs> enter twice, you win. Yes. Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Every third time you're a winner. I mean, it does boggle the mind that, that how, how that could be in a, a, any kind of a, a track. I mean, it's completely immoral for them to be selling that. <laughs> well, off. I mean, it is, at least they're kind of in, in in making it that way. They're kind of openly being like, "This is for fundraising." Yeah, but I mean, why don't they just ask their buddies at the Bank of England to print them a few fivers and say <laughs> oh, they a, have. <laughs> I know. Just th- throw a few more extra fivers through the printing press and have them instead of having to 
pester me. Wow. But this is your opportunity to sort of, sort of feel like you know to fraternize with your betters, to get involved in politics. <laughs> yeah, but not too involved. It's your chance for At your least... voice to be heard. Yes. We're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. gonna answer your questions. I mean, yeah. that's that's awesome. I mean, they that obviously. It's not just going to be an open mic, is it? And then what? What? I mean, that would be great. I would, if I thought for one moment it would be that, I'd be there. But absolutely, it's not going to be that, is it? No. <laughs> I imagine they've already got the questions. <laughs> and now here from uh, James, uh, we get a questions like, "Uh huh, sure yeah. you did." <laughs> how how did you manage to get, do so well at being chancellor? Right. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that guy? By the way, that kind of re vaguely reminds me of. Um, do you remember that guy who was like a plant? So during the Bush administration, or Bush Junior, I should say, um, there was this guy who was this. Um, it was a, a plant reporter in the press press pool like that would go to the White House like um, press <laughs> releases or whatever. And um, he would uh, he would ask questions like, um, so the question I really like to know is, when are the Democrats going to come to their senses? Like, it's no like that. and stuff like that. And then it turned out that that guy was a gay prostitute. That had had um, and this is all over, by the way, this is all over the fucking um, th these this guy like fucked a bunch of peanut guys, too. Like this wow. was a whole like this is a whole thing like this in the Ryan Dawson 9-11 documentary. He mentions this guy. And, th and that was one of the things that I've just v very vaguely remembered from that time period, because, by the way, I was a shit lib during those years. Yeah. Um, uh, being that I was a teenager, by the way, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, no, that was my, that you're was, not, go ahead. You're not supposed to remember anything even from last week. Hey, that's the, main, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's your main problem. Man. But yeah, I was like, I can't believe these bastard Nazi Republicans have gay prostitutes in their midst. <laughs> 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 I actually got into the the state of the support for the Conservative Party, which, by the way, it's riding high in the polls. People are loving this shit, right? And uh, the uh, the absolute state of of their support. I got a, I almost I don't do it, but I almost got into a Twitter argument with a guy and I, I che <laughs> checked out his Twitter profile, and he's all Brexit this and Conservative that, and he's telling me that vaccines were never supposed to prevent you from catching the disease. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Yeah, they never said that they were going to do that. <laughs> oh, like, what are they supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> they like, never said they was going to do that. <laughs> That's how it actually read. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, <laughs> if you, if you get on the, on the, uh, because I just ignored it. And, Good for you. Oh, hang on, hang yeah. on. <laughs> My fucking hero. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you're like, uh, because you're a fellow traveler with a group of people, you sort of, if you're not careful, you can get softened towards them and not realize for a while, not realize what a bunch of absolute bootlicking pricks they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, so much of their support has unqualified faith in the, uh, in Her Majesty's government.
Never mind the fact that Her Majesty's government signed up to be in the EU in the first place. Right. That was somehow, <laughs> they've forgotten that ever happened. I just can't understand a mindset of people like that who truly believe I don't think that someone one. in government actually gives one shit about them and is trying, is yeah. trying. Forget being confident in the eye. It's unbelievable to me that someone think that, that has anyone ever met someone that's been in government? I mean, just go meet one of them. Yeah. You will know immediately this is a plastic, phony, baloney person who is just out for themselves. And has never it's worked a day in are. their life, by the way. Right, they're all, they all are, they're grifters. That's all they do. They're pirates and thieves. Bringing it on topic. Yeah. Wow. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Nice uh, segue. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that Lady brings us jobs. to our our show uh, our show topic tonight, which was just a treat. You know, here's the thing. I I frequently, and this was this week was no no uh, real difference, but um, I frequently. Oh boy. <laughs> um, will find myself scrambling on Monday and Tuesday uh, to do some research for the show. Um, and yeah. th this week was no different, obviously. Um, however, the good thing is that this this topic is such um, I guess what's the word I should say is it's such like like the skeleton of every young libertarian's uh, you know, sort of educate self-education ritual yeah. um, that I realized when I dug back into it, I'm like, oh yeah, I've read all this shit fucking years ago and it's great. Um, great. <laughs> uh, and you kind of forget over, over the years when you go, when you, when you're like, when you're, when you're, you're waist deep in Hans Hermann Hoppe, you know, your humble beginnings um, of, uh, of, of Lysander Spooner, which is by the way, tonight's topic, uh, not, not to, not to, you know, bury the lead here, but um, yeah. So Lysander Spooner, what a guy, what a, what a fellow Massachusetts uh, based uh, and red pilled motherfucker. God, he was. <laughs> yeah. He I mean, really was. it recalls to mind when I was, in my, I guess, mid-twenties, somebody gave me Republican Party Reptile by P.J. O'Rourke. It's a very amusing book of essays by a you know, conservative pundit. And uh, I can, that kind of... What his, his point of view of things was something that I, I never heard. And he actually introduced the technicalities of free market economics to me because he wrote about it quite well at, at certain stages in his his career you know breaking down the economic arguments for liberty and uh, i remember reading that i just oh yeah that, that makes sense i've never heard anybody say anything that i agree with before <laughs> but the, the spoon is like that on steroids it's just yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what i already thought yeah <laughs> Oh, for sure. He's the best. I think he's the clearest. Absolutely. Clearest. And uh, he's so well edited, even though his material, each sentence is often incredibly long. God, the material itself is, there's not a lot of fat there. It's not like, well, you got to just cut this whole section kind of thing. It's like, nah, that thing's hardcore. Yeah. But I mean, at the same, in the same breath, it's also kind of repetitive, but it's more to, it. It, here's the thing. It's like when you read it, you can read him. You can hear his like old cranky old man tone. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, the trial by jury is wow. repetitive in like a biblical sense. Yeah, in the, you it's, know, like that's in, interesting. In Levi- we just read the Leviticus as as yeah. part of our Bible studies. Yeah, <laughs> for the show, well, and it very know, like, much did remind me of that. Yeah, yeah, because in Leviticus, the, the, it, it tells you how you do a sacrifice, and then they say, "Oh, and then Joe Boggs came and did the sacrifice," and it t- describes exactly what he's just said of how you do it. It's kind of like that, isn't it? With the mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it's more of a—he's building up a legal brief, isn't he? Or, right. Citing his, citing his authorities. Yeah, I think, I think it's it. some more formalized kind of writing he does there in that, at least in that essay. To it's me, not, it's not a good rattling read. The same way that. Uh, no, that to me, all the uh, meat, or are not all, but. A significant portion of it is in the footnotes, which is typical of a legal brief. Yeah, the vast majority of the really good stuff is in those footnotes, and it is packed with footnotes. Yeah, well, I, I listened to it at work uh, on in an audio book written by what well, I think was an Asian. Read by a, I think it was an Asian law student or something. Uh, and does he do <laughs> read the footnotes? Was the, she, was the pronunciation? She, she, <laughs> she read the footnotes. She did read the footnotes. Yeah, the, the footnotes are all the. That's I she, guess they would be called so bound footnotes. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So yeah. She, the uh, my favorite saying of hers was, "Footnote within a footnote ends." <laughs> <laughs> technical uh, procedures. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess that that is sort of like a nightmare uh, contract for you to or contracting like for you to get f- to do a audiobook voiceover for. Impossible. I don't even know how you could really keep track of it because yeah. reading footnotes in an audiobook is that's really going to be difficult. Yeah. The, uh, the version I listened to just didn't have footnotes, so I'm missing a yeah. lot of the good stuff, I'm guessing. Yeah, the, to me, the to, to me in that essay, the footnotes are so critical because there's so many interesting references and there's so much stuff filled in. So much. It's not part of the argument, but it's it's what's essential. It really is. Yeah. So I think the essence of it, that I mean, is he's saying that um, the jury has the right to decide on the law not just the fact oh for sure but it's the the last line of defense that the entire concept behind a jury is that the king or your legislature or whatever joker it is that purports to have authority to write just write crap down on a piece of paper and enforce it um that ends at the criminal level for the fact that you can't get a conviction and that they yeah. can write whatever they want down and the king's men can run you into the king's court and everything else. But the reality is at the end of the day, you get put in front of uh, the jury. And if one of them says no, then they can't get a conviction. And taking the first 12 people um, who came up and trying to get 12 of them to agree, that's yeah, <laughs> that's not going to be easy if uh, they know they're entitled to say no to that. But you're not going to, you're not going to be bullets. You're not going to be this COVID crap's never going to get approved. Yeah. You're not going to be okay with people yeah. masks and shutting businesses and requiring vax and everything else. None of that stuff would ever fly. I've, Vast majority of laws would never ever be able to get a conviction. I'm sure of that. I mean, we've talked about it on the show. Well, we covered the Bernie Getz trial on the show, which was a great example of 
during nullification probably mm. uh, but they'll but um recently they've just last week or something we we're talking about this kyle rittenhouse oh right yes the word uh oh, yeah. yeah well um, I, I was making the point because i i'd heard secondhand that uh evidence about the guys who got capped being uh yes the jewish pedophiles jewish pedophiles yeah <laughs> but that evidence had been uh excluded from the trial on account of it being prejudicial to the prosecution but but like it, so classic that, i don't get that see i don't understand how people are okay with this it makes no sense to me the entire concept that i can understand evidence that's right Known to not be true, yeah. okay, would be excluded. Absolutely, that makes sense to me. But I don't understand how evidence that could be probative just because it's prejudicial yeah. uh, to the prosecution's case, right? To the prosecution's case too, right? Exactly. Now, <laughs> yeah, by I mean, all means, exclude evidence. Yeah, yeah, exclude evidence that's prejudicial to the defendant. Case. Right. I mean, either but, the the concept is a hundred guilty people go free, right? So that one theory, innocent yeah. person doesn't get convicted. Either that's the, the the concept, or it's not. And as soon as you start allowing the prosecution to strike jurors and the prosecution to control stupid crap like that, and to say it's, you're you're already in just kangaroo land, just so bad. I have it a happy update to chamber this. Bullshit, isn't it? I have a happy update to this, though. Yeah. Um, okay, great. In light of this. The judge, in his opening statements, um, referred to the victims, air quotes, of um, of the uh, of it in the case um, to the in full view of, of all of the people in the court that uh, he referred to them as like looters, rioters, and violent criminals. Right. So, uh -huh. so I, I saw that they made their. <laughs> I saw he made some kind of pretrial ruling that that prosecution was not going to be permitted to refer to them as victims. But the very idea that the judge is in a position to make such a preposterous ruling to exclude the other side and to reach his own self-determined sort of middle ground yeah. is is the absurdity. Yeah. That's just. That's just taking control. If the, if the prosecution wants to run around and call them victim, 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 and then the defense gets to stand up and blow them all up with the other facts, all, that what the reason the judge does does it like that is so that the prosecution can't just get completely screwed by trying to do that because then the jury would immediately realize, well, hold it. That's kind of misleading to have left that out, prosecution, yeah. and that's why it's so damaging if – they're allowed to do it because we'll let the prosecution do it and then let the defense do it and let the chips fall where they may, as yeah. opposed to the judge steps in and tries to claim that he's going to find some, you know, more judicial appropriate middle ground. It's just, well, we shouldn't be there circuses. anyway. That's true. It's we should be having that conversation. <laughs> right. It's always a circus when, whenever you've got these kind of public trials where the judge knows everybody's watching them, but no one's really allowed to watch them and they're actually free to do whatever they kind of want within these made up rules. Um, it's just on display, <laughs> it's on display for everybody to see what a kangaroo uh, court system it is. It's just, just on display. It OJ is, was I no mean, different. If, if there's, if there's a fact that's, prejudicial to the prosecution's case then maybe there shouldn't be a prosecution that's right 
<laughs> you know, I don't understand that. To me, that's the heart of the whole concept is that, look, if the jurors are prejudiced against the state because they have experience with the state abusing its authority and power in some form or fashion, um, that's a problem the state needs to clean up, not yeah. a problem that needs to be excluded from the course of jury trials. That that makes no sense. It's just, it doesn't it's, make it's any just, sense. It's jury nullification with the boot on the wrong foot, isn't it? The jury right. is being It's nullified. massive jury tampering, which they already do on a huge scale all the time through it's network media. television. Yeah, yeah, network yeah. television, night and day, 24-7. They're constantly uh, tampering with the jury, constantly, all the time they're doing that. And, and it I, isn't even to one side either. It's like, like just the fact that the media is so – or I should say in the – larger until uh you know epistemological sense um it's so omnipresent in our life like the hyper reality that we live in today being that media consumption is so ubiquitous there's like literally there's no position one could take uh that isn't literally constructed by thought leaders be it on one side or another and then therefore every fucking in every jury you're tainted because you're basically been given mind vibe like mk ultra conditioning no matter what your sure. political beliefs are and it's just you know well, just the very fact that the media forever my entire life and back everything on television always shows the prosecution the police the judges everything like that the same way that they're all basically hard charging for justice that's yeah. what they're all that's their sole desire justice and if there's ever some bad apple that thing is always rooted out it's always found there's always some honest cop or honest prosecutor who steps forward and that is in people's minds and that is just so far from reality. And if, if people saw reality or at minimum were not subjected to that continuous brainwashing about how this thing is designed to be so fantastically fair, they again, you would never, ever, ever have the kinds of results they have down there ever, never happen. Yeah. It's like the people can hold, it's like the cognitive dissonance is that, and by the way, they put out movies like what's that fucking Al Pacino movie Serpico and it's just like so they can they can see that movie and the the way that the human mind sort of, sort of digest data is through stories which is why they they program your brain this way um, is you see that and you go oh well there's always a, the fucking corrupt cops and so you can tell the story in your head that there's going to be a Serpico to solve any sort of fucking problem right. in, with with corruption within or, the police or, or even more basic on a more basic level that Serpico has solved the problem right yes exactly and it can't happen yeah. again because of what happened with Serpico. because Al, pa Al Pacino fucking <laughs> put on a bad fucking uh, <laughs> put on lifts and fucking got out there and fixed New yeah. York City <laughs> right <laughs> She has a great ass. <laughs> uh, I'm, Speaking uh, of which, I'm a fan of police corruption. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so like, Spooner is my spirit animal in more ways than one. He's a he's also an incel. Yes. I mean, the guy, the guy would be locked up now. For oh sure. yeah, there's no way you could say what oh, he yeah. said. 
I love the letters he writes to the uh, different people in government. Those oh, the so Grover like, Cleveland letter? There's where it's so just many so funny e- ones in there. Dude, Grover <laughs> Cleveland, by all accounts, is like one of the better presidents. And the fucking asshole that, that yeah. Spooner rips him is g- beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I love his letters to politicians. They're so stinking funny. The way he's like, well, if you purport to be an honest man and such. <laughs> yeah. He just, just fillets them. It's just, it's God. It's so funny to me. I think he told he opened the letter to Cleveland saying that he he was the, the probably the best president that there had ever been in the past fifty years. And then but went, the rest of the letter was <laughs> that's not saying much, buddy. Right, <laughs> <You're an asshole. laughs> right. God, he's so great. Yeah, Man, it was funny. Yeah, he was. Grover he Cleveland would... is the official president of the History Homos podcast on account of his 54 inch waist. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he was jacked. <laughs> yeah. But um, and, so there, there are so many, by the way. So let me just get this out of the way. Another, probably the most based guy besides me out of Massachusetts of all time. Um, yeah. But uh, is from, uh, he's from the very north, the, like, Massachusetts is like one of the most densely populated places in the country. Never mind the uh, fucking. Um, uh, but regardless, the, this the, where he is from, Athol. I've driven through before. Um, it, it is the fucking sticks. Uh, it's like kind of near the Vermont border. It's kind of between the Vermont and New Hampshire border. I went to go uh, to a rabbit farm to collect my my rabbit there, and um, and I'll never forget. Here's a little anecdote to, to illustrate just how fucking um, how hick it is there. Um, but uh, I went there, and we it it was three hours each way on this trip, and on the way back we were um, uh, starving, and so we went. Th- to a place called Classic Pizza 2. Pizza's so good it needed a sequel. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we uh, got a slice, and it was remarkably shitty pizza. Now, there's a often adage that pizza is still pizza, but this was so, pe- so fucking bad, like ketchup for the sauce. Wow. <laughs> But anyway, that's just to illustrate where where in Massachusetts. So what you're saying is it's so far out of Boston that the there, are no, there are no Itais living there. Yes, there's not there's an Italian in sight. Yeah, I yeah. believe. Yes, I believe they were they were they were potato faced Irish people who were manning the counter. <laughs> uh, also, by the wow. way, just the fact that it was a white person behind the counter of a pizza well, place know, is pretty amazing in its own you right. Know, it, in Scotland. Is crawling with Italian immigrants because the uh, the British housed all the Italian prisoners of war there uh, in World War Two. Oh, and okay. A lot of them didn't go home because they they wanted to get some hot red, Scottish red tail. pussy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, nevertheless, despite the uh, fuck me, fuck yeah. me, <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> despite the surface of the surplus of um, Italian uh, or the glut of it, of Italians in Scotland. When one orders a pizza in Scotland, it you may well be presented to you deep fried in batter. What? In the fish and chip shops in Scotland, they'll <laughs> no take, way. They will take a frozen pizza, <laughs> dip it in batter, and throw it in the fat. Hey, don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they're famous wow. for doing that with Mars bars, but they, they also do it to pizza. I'm in. I'm sold. 
I wouldn't. Man, that's a little heavy. It's yeah. already a little heavy. I, I'm not. It's too much for me. No way. I mean, I wouldn't eat anything from a fish and chips. I'd shop, take a bite. To be honest. I yeah, I'd you gotta taste try it. it. That's all. I, I cannot believe I'd enjoy that. That's just no, too heavy. <laughs> I mean, I've never tried it, but it's not the fact that it's heavy. It's the fact that the frozen pizza they throw into the fat right. is shit to start with. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's shit by. British standards, so yeah, <laughs> so it's gonna be real shit. It's gonna be classic yeah. pizza two levels. <laughs> yeah, I think possibly beyond. You might yearn for the days of classic pizza classic two. pizza two. Yeah, <laughs> there's no sequel to that fucking chip shop. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, and again, Lysander Spooner probably never had a pizza because he was skint his whole life. That's true, but also, I mean, I don't think pizza. It was I mean I know you're being a little silly, but yeah, <laughs> I don't I'm think just exercising my radio chops. There you go, mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so he uh, spent I think I guess the, I I'm to understand he spent most of his life in Worcester, Mass, which I'm very familiar with. Um, which, by the way, is the way to pronounce it for those uh, around the country. We pronounce it the English way. Um, yes, and, that's why it's called New England. Uh, yes, that's true. Um, and. Uh, I, I Worcester now is a uh, is a fucking third. It's 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 pretty rough. I'll just say that. Let's let's leave it there. <laughs> um, but uh, well, anyway, Spooner lived in a room of a boarding house his whole life, so that's not the most salubrious of areas at the time, is it? I guess no, no. Well, it certainly was like an industrial type town, like for sure. Yeah. And uh, I think now actually it's kind of going through something of a. Um, uh, what's it called uh, when the white people move in? Uh, gentrification. gentrification. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was debating buying a house there to sort of like uh, you know catch the mar- housing market you know boost, but you know BlackRock's going to get my house anyway, so it might as well just live <laughs> in a place I enjoy more. Feel <laughs> um, nothing and be happy. Yeah, yeah. And live in the live in the pot, eat the bugs. But uh, yeah, so the thing, so he was a troll his whole life, um, and to to that end, um, almost to prove a point, uh, did not meet uh, the specific requirements of practicing law in the state of Massachusetts um, because he uh, apprenticed underneath lawyers. At the time, uh, when he was a young man, uh, for three years, which at the time in the state of Massachusetts, the law was, if you were a college graduate, you could apprentice under a lawyer for three years and begin uh, practicing law. But if you were not, you had to practice, you had to uh, study under a lawyer for five years. Um, and ever, ever the, the problem, uh, Lysander Spooner decided <laughs> to do three years and just open up a practice, a law in, uh, Worcester, Mass and, um, sort of thumb his nose at the state legislature. <laughs> yeah, um, and it ended so up changing he, based off of it, but based off of his actions, which is an interesting little, uh, turn. Yeah. Again, you can't see that working. I mean, like. Did they have like to a, a dreary Brit such as myself? As much as much as a fucking hellhole as this country is, we don't take occupational. Or our overlords haven't taken occupational licensing to the awful extreme that that, that uh, your overlords have it in the United States. And the, uh, you don't need a license for most occupations. It's really only wow. 
Man, here it's well, and and you got you have to have a license to uh, to just do fingernails. You have yeah. to have a license to cut hair. You have to have a license to give a massage. In fact, I find it one of the funnier things in these these things they call massage parlors, right? Which are uh-huh. they're they're really just kind of whorehouses ish, yeah. you yeah. know. Um, in most of them, when you go in, there's a sign that says. We do not do massage <laughs> because that's a clear violation of state law because they don't have licensed masseuses in there. <laughs> I always find that to be hilarious that uh, they do these stings on what they call massage parlors, but every one of them makes clear they don't do massage. Yeah. Uh, I've never, sort of, obviously, never. I'm a happily married man. I've never been in such a, a gyp joint. Well, this is all. This is all legal research. I of have course, to do yeah. periodically. But the, so, this is the the. I mean, I can see it coming in because from in my youth, we didn't even have a minimum wage. It really was quite liberal, economically speaking. I mean, even though. They nationalized all, all the industries and, and stuff in the 50s. And so it, it was very, very socialist to that degree. But the, the burden of it wasn't really placed on the the working stiff to that extent. You, you still didn't need to have a license to be a No, you paid or, in the fact that there were no fucking jobs, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, the it wasn't so much the active oppression... Of the lower orders, right? The banality of evil of the of the yeah. fucking, uh, you know, the. Do you have a fucking license to do those fucking nails? I mean, they, <laughs> they nationalized all businesses in certain sectors that were over a certain size. You were still, you know, they didn't establish state monopolies in things other than than uh, telephones and. Postal services and another fucking red hot segue, yeah. by the way, <laughs> and stuff like that, which were already in existence. But I mean, what gets me is like Spooner tried his hand at being an inventor, didn't he, at one point as well? Yeah, like which all really, great men. Which is <laughs> Homer really Simpson, Lysander Spooner. <laughs> but like, this is another Ben sort Franklin of thing that would have pissed Spooner off. Is that now, when, um, and I guess it, it was ever thus, but if you invent something, let's say you invent the radio, you, you invent the ability to modulate radio waves, right? That's your invention. But you'd be a greasy wop. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, the government decides, oh, those things we'd never heard of until you discovered them, we own them. You have to get a license from us to modulate them. Yeah. And how even inventors, uh, anyone who discovers any new resource suddenly turns out that it belongs to the government the whole time. Well, that's an interesting thing you should say that because uh, the, one of the the world's best known inventors, Thomas Edison, made his bones as a patent uh, um, fucking clerk. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I wonder why he fucking happened to come up with all these ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things that's more interesting to me about the sort of, I'd say the mid, mid-ish 19th century, early 20th century stuff. Well, virtually every single so-called big invention 
is obviously just a ripoff and yeah. is, it was involved in fantastic scammery with the patent office where Those there was the obvious corruption, obvious corruption going on. And <clears throat> once again, just kind of a vertical supply gatekeeper so that the people they want to get the patents get them. And yeah. it's every time I look into any kind of these Hiroshima Alger, pick yourself up by your bootstrap stores, there's just always lies uh, yeah. at the base. They're just always a scam. And the, the radio, the telephone <laughs> yeah. is certainly one of the most important ones. That was obviously just another one of these inventions that was scammed and stolen in a, in a variety of ways with an obviously corrupt uh, patent reviewer. And these patent reviews all the time, uh, they're just, forget the fact there's so much subjectivity in a lot of the stuff and the the broad, how, how broad the patent is and whether or not it's infringing can be offered and on and on and on. There's just obviously a huge amount of just outright corruption involved in all of it. And I don't understand why people don't get that when you put an entity like government in charge, it wouldn't matter if it's a private business or, or government. If you put one thing in charge, it's going to be corrupt as hell. That, that's all there. It's always going to be corrupt. And it doesn't it doesn't solve the problem to say, well, we're going to have an entity that will oversee corruption. Right. There'll be one entity to oversee the corruption because then that entity is just corrupt. And then that's how you <laughs> control all the corruption. And of course, that's exactly what anybody can observe, that the Department of Justice and all these uh, governmental investigation things, they're totally and completely owned. And therefore, any and all corruption, FDA, CDC, FDA, which, again, is always just another sort of a lever point where everything is funneled into this one thing that's government, this or that approval. And then any objection to it has to be government inspected and uh, investigated. And therefore, it's totally and completely corrupt. And anybody can look at the actual results that we have and see that it's totally and completely corrupt. <laughs> just every aspect of it is totally corrupt. Yeah, I, I'm sure everybody's seen those memes where it's like it's a, two pictures of the same guy. And it's like, this is a CEO of, you know, or, you know, a oh, board yeah. member of Pfizer, blah, blah, blah. This yeah. is the fucking uh, one of the board <laughs> right. members of the FDA. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, the same guy. That's weird. <laughs> another strange thing about all the FDA stuff, um, which yeah, and Spooner had a lot of interesting ideas about intellectual property. He actually wrote some interesting stuff about it. But you look at what's going on with the FDA now, they just. Their so-called independent board just approved the uh, the jab for five to eleven-year-olds today. Yeah, today just yeah. approved it five to eleven-year-olds, and this is utterly ridiculous. But this the very concept that you have a board, this so-called independent board, that's approving something like that. Anybody can do the math on the sort of the risk profile to kids five to eleven, which is virtually nobody. You know, point zero zero something percent and it's not like they're dying um it would be almost impossible to have enough kids in that age group run through any kind of trial with that kind of risk profile to ever be able to determine that something was uh, uh worth the risk it would have to be killing so many more you'd need so many millions and millions and millions and millions of kids in trials since so few of them are ever going to have a problem and yet what happens? They come out with an announcement and everybody just acts like that's it. It's settled. It's yep. settled now because one little group of uh, corrupt people in Washington have said so. And that's it.
Now it's done. It's over. In uh, the UK, they had this um, advisory committee of science science gods, bishops of science, who uh, who have been whose implementations, while ever uh, whose recommendations have been implemented, and they've been kind of say, oh, we have to we have to follow the recommendations of scientists to do this next th- next tyrannical thing. Uh, but as apropos the injection of children aged 12 to 17, this com- this particular committee, even though they purged it of some people who were start- who were beginning to backslide, when it came to the uh, 12 to 17 age group, they declined to recommend its use. They said, no, there's no need for it, it because there's no risk to that group anyway or negligible risk uh, right we don't we don't for certain know what the risk of the job is yet so and now five to eleven here uh, it's yeah. utterly impossible but, get, and they said oh risk reward was good it's like that's doesn't even that's impossible it's totally the, mathematically impossible but the chief health nazi overruled this said, suddenly, there you we, go. suddenly we don't have to listen to this committee anymore because they're giving <laughs> just, us the wrong answer <laughs> how many answers how many times do these things have to happen like this for people to be able to catch on it's it's there's just a big difference between people who can think independently for themselves and people who literally just regurgitate yeah uh things they've heard it, yeah. it's just <sighs> yeah my I, I didn't i i debated whether bringing this story up uh on the show but um my wife recently went to a physical and uh got the fucking third degree from my large jewish uh doctor um, and he did the whole, you know, I, I, this is the thing she she said that he, he wasn't condescending to her, but I just know he was, um, yeah. <laughs> um and, you, it's all right there. You just don't know when you're being condescended to. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I, um, he, he did, he, he did. I think this is, this, this may be a woman thing, just full disclosure, but, um, he said something to her like, listen, I know you're a smart person and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it did the whole like, did the whole like, well, listen, you know, uh, you know, th- there's just no de- just lied or, or not. I don't even know lied, but lie, but, but said something that I believe to be in tr- not true, that there's just no data saying that there's any risk. And it's wow. like, they'll just say that to you. And it's like, and she, she's thinking, I'm sure she, she's getting literally gaslit by this because wow. literally I'm at home fucking ranting and raving about how, how Israel and the fucking, they're on four shots and the rates are up <laughs> and fucking <laughs> and Gibraltar is over. They have 101% vaccination and they still have fucking cases. <laughs> In Gibraltar, nobody died until they started the vaccination program. Imagine how bad it would have been without it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they, I, this, but I'm ironically, is some, is what fucking some shit lib would post. Yes. <laughs> well, that right. guy who I declined to argue with. Yes. Yeah. His, his point was that, of course, they can, they can tell that the, um, they could, the reason they could tell that the vaccine was safe for, during pregnancy in less time than the human gestation period from the from the invention of the vaccine was because they in, injected people at all different stages of pregnancy with it. 
<laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you oh, go. Okay. Well, they accounted for it. Right. Okay. Yeah. The science. <laughs> yeah. The science. I got it. <laughs> that contracts, doing that contracts time. Yes. <laughs> it's time dilation. Yeah. Uh, it's an entropic field opens up, actually. <laughs> but it's like. <laughs> People are literally. And I'm sure it did induce some dilations, by the way. Um, so you, 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 <laughs> sticking pregnant women with it. Yeah. You, you were saying, um, legal man, earlier that, you know, what kind of mindset is that? I don't think those right. people have a mindset. No. It's, it, they do have one, but it's so. It's it so turns on and off. foreign. Well, you know, they're just so attached to the sort of certainty. They they want this stability in their in their idea and narrative, and they just do not like for it to be disturbed in any way. That's yeah. they just cannot have it disturbed. And the, one of the most fundamental things in their sort of worldview is that there there are authorities as an adult. There are these that there's experts and authorities that have investigated whatever this thing is that they that they don't want to look into, and yeah. they have come to these conclusions and that. Therefore, that should be trusted. It's just a very fundamental part of them, and there are there's just a lot of people like that. There's just a lot of people like that. Well, the and four most dangerous words in the uh, lexicon at the moment are "do your own research." Those words are costing lives. Oh yeah, for sure. That and well, that is six, six guerrillian lives lost, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the thing I guess I guess the thing I find so odd about it is. Do you really even have to do research or can you simply use the information, the facts that they've been providing over the last 19 or 20 months, which have been contradicting themselves? So the official narrative itself has not been consistent. Yeah. And, you know, expecting people to go and look through data or do so, that that's never going to happen, I don't think. But they have said continuously contradictory things about the vaccine itself, if nothing else, they originally told us when they rolled it out back in like March or February when they were pushing it so hard that if you got it, you were safe. That was it. There was nothing else you needed yeah. to do that. You need to go get it. And and that continuously morphed into, uh, well, now you need a booster. And if you don't, it only lasts so long and everyone else has to get it or you're not safe. Well, that's their own story constantly changing. And for me, that is if that kind of thing isn't persuasive to someone, then no amount of uh, alternative data or research will ever convince. No, them. I mean, I, I didn't need to do any research to know that, that I wasn't going to comply with lockdowns because the government, I don't I already know that the state has no right to impose right. a lockdown, even if it is what they say it is. doesn't yes. matter. You've got and that that's right. one of the things, you know, for me on it, the thing I love so much about Spooner is that he, yeah. he gave me a an ability to be exposed to a very fundamental mental shift, uh, which was this entire concept that this fantasy we're fed in this country and probably over there in every Western country, this fantasy about this amazing freedom machine that the vote and these so-called rights create. And yeah. that he just blew that up in a way that once I 
examined it and studied it clear it would never ever it was humpty dumpty it was never ever ever going to be able to put back together in my mind it was clear he was right it's clear as day he was right and ever since then it affects every single thing i ever have to analyze because virtually every single thing is tainted by government now everything has been invaded in some way affected by government so when this thing came out with the stupid uh, COVID. I don't have to look into it. I know if government and media and stuff are all aligned, yeah. it's not true. And it cannot possibly be for my benefit because I know that the the fundamental story I'm told about the freedom machine and the voting and all that other stuff that goes back to his fundamental stuff was not true. And once that's shaken out of my head, well, now they have absolutely nothing whatsoever that's a benefit of the doubt. I everything they come at me with is a massive, a huge, possibly theoretically rebuttable presumption that it's complete bullshit and it's being done to screw me, as opposed to the mindset of that vast majority of people you were just talking about who they just kind of they hear it and they kind of believe it and they tell you that somebody looked at it and government approved it. And that's that actually is completely and totally enough for them. They really think you are a kook if you don't accept that. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I think that this is if you only ever read one book in your whole life, read natural law. It only takes half an hour. Yeah. Yes. And it's, it's an essay. It's not even a book. Yeah. It's a pamphlet. Yeah. Well, I mean, it calls trial by jury an essay, but that's... It is, but it's still not that long, but they call those things essays, whatever. You know? I mean, long. it's short. In our modern terms, yeah. natural law is an essay, and trial yes, by jury is a sure. book. Yeah. But so, natural law is absolutely great. It's it's punchy, pithy. It doesn't miss anything out. And <laughs> it, it's just... you've That just puts in writing the way you can just demolish anything which is <laughs> you've got no right to do that <laughs> it's yeah. just clear as day it's yeah. he he's so good in that essay again with that very fundamental mental shift of yeah. the fact that if you think about these laws well it's the law yeah it's a law we gotta have law and order and all the stupid crap you hear all the time oh it's the science it's all those same kind of things once you see that the way he just flips it on his head which it wasn't at the time. There were lots of people that wrote about that, but in modern day, I, I had never been exposed to it until I came across his writing, ever. Yeah. I think I somehow, because I, I haven't really, I haven't re read Rothbard and uh, Hopper and all that. I'd kind of have, have the general concepts at my fingertips, but I didn't get them from that. I think I In retrospect, skip, skip Rothbard, go straight to Hopper. Yeah, but I, I got, that's been my feeling in the later my latter years of libertarianism. But I think where I mean, I, I'm a, I'm aware of the of what they say. Yes. let's say. And I think where they make their bloomer as opposed to Spooner is that they're kind of. They're trying to sell the macroeconomic benefits of freedom sure like they're, they're basically it's a consequentialist argument yeah it's like a, a milton friedman type thing of well well if you give people a little bit more freedom they'll be a little bit more productive and blah 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 so you know you've got a sliding scale but they're all basically doing the same thing of trying to convince this monster to ease up on us a little bit yes but 
Spooner is an ab- absolutist. And that, yeah, I don't expect everybody to, to buy it as wholeheartedly as I do. But at least you've got the underpinnings of, you can say, you can say, oh, well, well, okay, well, yes, if you do this Rothbardy thing, that would be better than what you're doing now. But you've still got no right to do it. I 100% agree. That's the thing I like about him. And it's the thing I object so much about with the constitutional conservative media people is that one, I think they continuously, and I don't know if it's intentional, but they confuse economic theory with legal or political theory all the time. They talk about just that kind of thing that, well, we should do this smaller, it's more efficient. No, that's not what you need to be telling people. If the constitution is a limited government with express authorities, then it makes no damn difference whether one's a little better. We should not be arguing about the only issue. Is there any legal authority to do it? And where does it stand? Because once you get beyond that, you're in the realm we're in now, which is, well, does it help? Is yeah. it safer? Should how long should we keep the six feet on? How sh- how how many right. long? You're arguing long on s- their terms. You're yeah. Once you're and once you're arguing that, you've lost because any kind of time you have these kinds of negotiations, it's always the same, which is that the government wants to do something in some form or fashion. If the position is that the government can do it, well then. If if your position was they couldn't, and the position is you have to compromise, well, then you're moving from something where they have no right to do it to, well, they have a right to do a little. Well, now you've lost. That's not yeah. a compromise. To compromise between something that they have no authority to do and that they can do a little bit. As soon as you give that up, you've lost the actual legal argument, and you'll yeah. never be able to restrain it again. And that's the evidence. That's everybody can see that's what happens in this country. Yeah. They go just for a, a little teeny tiny thing, just a tip. We're going to play <laughs> just a tip. And they take this little tiny bit just for safety, just for the children, just for that, only temporarily, all these different things. As soon as that's given away, then that's used as precedent in, in every other kind of court case, just like that stupid Jacobson thing where I heard all endlessly about how oh, it was just fine, other fine, didn't make blah, blah. I said, dude, that's not how it works. They will they will refer to that because the legal principle that was being discussed there was the loss of your rights, that they have the right to take it away. And as soon as you're in that, it's over. And that's why these constitutional arguments are always so mixed up with this idea that well, they shouldn't do this. They should. No, it's not a matter they shouldn't do it. They have no authority to do that. And you can't compromise it. <laughs> if you do, you will never get it back. And it's gone forever. And that's basically every single right we have. Look at every single right in the so-called Bill of Rights. They're all gone because they've been nibbled away at and nibbled away at in every amount of case. And now they're just gone. That's it. They're gone. This is another, what's absolutely great about um, trial by jury is that Spooner, because he goes back as far as you possibly can to prove that, that, that in legal a precedent to prove that it's all usurped power, which yes. is to to Magna Carta, and he expressly doesn't he doesn't accept the validity of Magna Carta either. <laughs> I he love just the way says, he describes it. <laughs> <laughs> he he doesn't accept the validity of that anymore. Than he does the Constitution. He just says this is what the common conception of natural law was, or the law of the land was in twelve thirteen or whenever it was. Yes, and that's I do the same thing. I get. 
and Mike, and over here, we get this thing all the time about uh, all capital names. If you have all capital letters in your name and that it's the, it's maritime law and the Constitution of 1871 and it's an incorporation, all this shit, I get this all the time. And these arguments are always about how, well, you have to look to common law and then they, they pull they, they pull little teeny tiny things out of each case. There's never any appellate law that supports them. But I always tell them the same things like, dude, I've never consented to be bound by English common law. <laughs> when yeah. did I agree to any of this crap? <laughs> yeah. Some history of shit. They, they get cobbled together in a country I thought we fought a war to get away from. It, yeah. it makes absolutely no sense, the idea that somehow we've imported a legal system with absolutely no wording at all in the Constitution. doesn't say that 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 common law has now you know been imported in it's the federal law it doesn't say anything about that and i've never agreed to all these these joker cases from 300 years ago written by some some dude i never met about a weird fact situation some guy selling flaxseed oil i don't care that's <laughs> that's not a structure i've agreed to i'm not saying it may I not was be traveling okay not driving there you go. There you go. I'm going to blow my life up so I don't have to have a driver's license and register my car. It's utterly ridiculous. And but that's the fundamental problem with all those things that Spooner stuff goes to the heart of it. It's 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 why I've spent so much time when I do my show on consent, because if you yeah. don't make consent the heart of it, then whatever you're talking about is it's just a load of shit. It's the people don't consent. If the person doesn't consent, if the society doesn't consent, if you don't have overwhelming consent and the ability to opt out, then whatever you have is just a concoction. It's just tyranny. It's just a made up crap. And you're just talking out your ass. That's all it is. And those constitutional conservatives do that all the time because I listen to them and I think, well, I never agreed to that. Nobody agrees to any of that. Nobody agrees to any of this crap. There's that's a, just it's ridiculous. There's a lot of uh, groups on Telegram who like to go on about uh, that are based around natural law, and it seems to be something that is catching on with <laughs> sort of midwits who uh, have our the same inclinations as we geniuses do. But <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're basically reciting not particularly spooner but kind of spoonerian ideas that you know man-made law is a lot of horse shit and and natural law is is the only real real law but they they're under the misapprehension that they can argue that in court or that a policeman or, or anybody gives a fuck about it i mean you're right, right. you're right but right. they've got Guns, truncheons, nuclear submarines, right, right, flights of stairs to throw you down. They don't give a fuck about it. <laughs> and and they have ninety five plus percent of the population who thinks you're a kook. Who thinks you're a kook, and you're, you're never going to win. No, not any just of a this. kook, domestic terrorist. There yeah. you go. Probably actually would be considered that now. You're yeah. right. Yeah. The I deadly mean, January 6th riot. Right. <laughs> I, I, all dun, the time, dun, these people. <laughs> yeah, they present all these complex documents that supposedly, if you file them in the correct order and present them to the police officer, creates all this liability based. It's all. No, that stuff ever works. The only thing that a time it ever works is these people send me stuff from administrative proceedings and things like that. It's like, okay, you might maybe you win a district court for a variety of reasons. Who knows why? <clears throat> but there, there's never any appellate case law. And the way the court system is set up in this country is that the district courts must follow appellate courts in their in their uh, uh, circuit. They must follow it. It's not a matter of 
well, we I, this guy presented an excellent argument for comp. No, that's not the way it works. Mm. You must follow it as a judge. And so the idea that you're going to win these things if they want to come after you're not. You're going to lose them every single time. And uh, for more than 20 years, I've asked people when I first came across this stuff, I've asked them over and over, is there any actual appellate law that supports it? They never can show it to me. They show me appellate law that's not on point, that's got language that they claim should be used, but it's not a holding. It has nothing to do with it. It's just some, yeah. it's some one-off thing, like using the Schofield Bible analysis, where you just kind of pull shit from every kind of little thing, and they say, see, it all adds up. It's like, dude, that's... It all uh, adds up. We should all die for Israel. <laughs> it's like, uh, those things were written a, like a thousand years apart. Yeah. They don't, they're not really one document. I'm sorry. Sorry, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the real problem. And that's why, again, I, I would so strongly recommend Spooner to anybody who who really just wants to learn how to think clearly on the issue. I don't know how anybody could ever read his stuff and disagree with it, but at minimum, if you fully understand his arguments, I would love to have a conversation with someone who's understood it and disagrees and has an actual logical explanation for why and how Spooner's wrong. I would love to hear that because he's not wrong. I hear people, yeah. the only thing they ever say is you can't do it. It's not practical. Okay. It doesn't mean he's not right. Yeah. He's still correct. But he also, and he, that's, he doesn't really, well, maybe in a trial by jury, he's arguing that we should have jury trials and they should yes. be allowed to decide the law, which he's right about. Yeah. Uh, yes. uh, but, in um, whatever the other one was I was talking about, um, the natural law essay. Natural no law. Natural he's, law. He's not. He's not prescribing anything. He's no, he just, doesn't. He doesn't make a lot of which uh, is a, suggestions. Another, it's another great strength of his is that he's not advocating for anything. He's, Except he's buying your own property bullshit. and and breaking out <laughs> yeah. of the system, being left <laughs> alone, yeah. and yeah. and that's why I say to me, I would love to have the conversation with somebody who purports to actually understand Spooner and and claim that he's wrong. It's not a matter of whether that you can implement it. He should always be the goal. That's to me is the beauty of Spooner is that. As a practical matter, are we ever going to have a place with no government? Of course not. But you have to de decentralize to the maximum extent possible because every time you move away from Spooner, you get into tyranny of some sort, which may or may not be an acceptable amount at some small level. But th that's why he's so good, because once you understand his concepts, you can always see the flaw in all these other proposals. You can just blow them up as not being credible and you know, when people say, oh, what's your, what can we do? That's kind of crap I get all the time. It's true. It's difficult to come up with actual solutions. But one of the main reasons we don't have solutions is because nobody's talking about the actual problem. Yeah. I mean, we need to have an open conversation about what is the actual problem. Let's look at some possible solutions and let's let the people tell us what they're really willing to live with once they're told what the actual problem is, is instead of this absurd red versus blue Overton window fantasy about these, these personal rights and constitution and voting shit, get everybody on board and understand what the real issue is with Spooner. And then let's see what people can actually agree to. Then let's see what yeah. people can agree I, to. I, I think if it's like a, a Spoonerian um, utopia would be, uh, you've got land banking. So people, people can get a little patch of land, build a workshop, become an artisan or whatever, uh, get married young, have kids. Uh, and 
that's that was latterly said well obviously post you know once the industrial revolution and the railroads and all that that was no longer viable but here's an here's a, another little uh galaxy brain thing that just that just popped into my head now let's Can I go pretend, next? i got one too yeah let's pre- <laughs> let's pretend for a moment listener that climate change is real isn't it <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it peculiar that nobody's suggesting this pre-industrial Spoonerian ideal as a way of cutting down on on uh, greenhouse emissions? I could just They're suggesting point. quite the opposite of that. Whereas that, that so that that's incompatible with an, with the industrial society. We're not allowed a, the industrial society as we know it anymore. So why can't we have that? Because well, that doesn't suit their fucking what the real agenda is that's why well i can tell you in the on the climate side what they would tell you and that is i, I don't know if it's true or not but after 911 when the air when the skies cleared they discovered what what they call a deming effect and that the the particles the pollution that's up there or that's being emitted actually provides a reflection yeah. but the particles that provide for the absorption stay in the air way longer like they don't matter you put one up in the air now 10 years before it's it's actually going to be maxed out the particles that provide for reflection they fall out of the sky within about three months and so the the argument um which i'm not here to make is that if you stopped all production what would actually happen is that the place would cook uh in very short order because the reflective particles would no longer be up there and that in fact is the reason that anybody who looks into it is why they spray they spray, even though there's a problem, they spray these reflective particles up there, um, even though it makes not a lot of sense. That would be at least a theory for why it's up there and why you can't just shut everything down. If you shut everything down, it's over. Heat death. <laughs> you can't go back now. Because it will continue to warm for about another six or seven years if we put absolutely nothing else into the air. Ah. Yeah, but we'd have wood fires for our, blacks, for our smithies. Yeah, well, again, that's not going to, I mean, I'm just saying yeah. I love inconsistencies and in, in arguments more than anything. I love pointing them out. But but I would say that with regards to going back to a Spooner type of lifestyle, I my argument with it is that human beings are not meant to live in these extremely large, dense zones that they didn't for the vast majority of time. They've been driven into these cities, kind of agenda 2030 style now for so long because because the landed people, uh, it's to their benefit to drive us in there, create us, turn us into many slaves. And the reality is once you're in a system like that packed together and you can't, don't have the option to go out and, and do what you're suggesting, there's no longer an option. That's when it just all starts to fail. And yeah, that was, that was agenda 1917. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, they show, they do a lot of experiments that are pretty interesting. People can go look up on uh, YouTube that show if all you do is pack these sort of rats together and and just provide them whatever they need, right? Just right. food, the everything. Nip, right? The they, uh, the uh, they go crazy. Yeah, yeah. They go completely crazy. They start eating each other and breaking down. And they're they it look wasn't exactly that a National like Institute of Mental Health like thing where that that that's that fucking rat store like there's that fucking cartoon movie the secret of nim and it's fucking i don't know that oh yeah well they, yeah. they made a cartoon about that this, study yeah yeah right um, and, and, and they've done a million of them now and it's just clear as day that if you provide people or animals with this kind of stuff 
um, they blow apart. People, they need a, they need a purpose. They need to, they need to do stuff. We all read they can't just Unabomber sit manifesto. Yeah. So <laughs> right. what, what you're saying is that the. Uh, the Industrial Revolution and its consequences have been it's disastrous over. for mankind. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think I, that's my conclusion with my buddies is that as soon as you go down that road, it's over. That right. there is you can't put. Well, the that's what the Spengler the argument was: is that at some point the Industrial Revolution uh, broke free from its human handlers, and it's now yeah. its own fucking thing. That's the Spengler. Yeah, I just don't think you can. There's no way you can. Do, I don't think there's any way the human beings are clearly in no way on on whole. It's a basilisk. Yeah, they're psychologically not equipped to deal with these large groups of anonymous people moving in and out and this weird work that has no meaning kind of thing, which vast majority of people do now. I just think it turns people crazy. And uh, so whatever the solution is, I, I don't think you can put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's 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 going to blow up, whether that means five years, 50 years, 500 years. I don't know. But um, I, I just don't see how people can live like that. I'm sorry. I think maybe it's happening now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's clearly, it's just becoming obvious as hell. Smart that money's not it. happening now. Uh, <laughs> yes. As, as, the, as the great poet Morrissey said, you said it's going to happen soon. How soon exactly is that? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Morrissey. <laughs> Don't you say is a fucking it, bad word about Morrissey. He's uh, I like Morrissey. I'm okay. I like his music a lot. I do too, yeah. He was uh, he was I really I used to really listen to a lot of his stuff. It's funny I haven't heard a Morrissey reference in a long time. Oh, you haven't he's, listened he's to our official, show then, legal man. <laughs> he's no, the official musician. Of, he's the official uh, musician of history Yes, but I'm saying that he's not out in public and no. people don't bring him up. Yeah. <laughs> Morrissey um, is a if you're ready for my my galaxy brain take, yes, um, I I th this is something that just popped into my head while you're talking, and it kind of said sort of uh, dovetails nicely with what you're saying about people needing a uh, or at least the people we live of the society that we live in now needing some sort of conflict. But I mean, it's the Hegel he he Hegel said that it, this is the thing that blows my mind about Spooner is he doesn't fit into a Hegelian dialectic. Um, and the, I, and by the way, also he was sort of a contemporary with Marx, Marx being the most, uh, well-known, uh, student of the Hegelian, uh, of, of Hegel. Um, and Marx criticized him, um, despite the fact that he should say things, uh, the things he says are universally true for, I mean, it's objectively all true. And second of all, should be of interest of people of all political sort of. Um, and it is, by the way. It is. He is. Everyone fights over who who gets Spooner, too, by the way. That's yeah. something <laughs> of note as well. But um, more importantly, though, he doesn't really fit into a Hegelian dialectic. And perhaps that's why he sort of fell to the wayside. Uh, yeah. Because people are often like history can be viewed as a series of um, of. Uh, dialectical conflicts essentially basically throughout history we see you know t two polarized sides fighting over the people and whatnot and and spooner's key insight is to sort of be like fuck all that yeah <laughs> fuck all this shit I'm going to get a ho nice house for myself and uh be unto myself and be happy and yes it's um he has this class consciousness, right? 
And so I, I guess that is absent from so, a lot of the other libertarian philosophers. Yeah. And I think it's absolutely essential. Uh, and he also like the famously, he was an ardent prohibitionist, obviously, because he's based, but he also supported also the right follows of the Confederacy. from his overall over, overarching ideology. Yeah, uh, he, he he followed the he, he supported the right of the Confederacy confederacy to secede he right. was against the war yeah so like he wasn't against war to free the slaves he was against that war yeah now but he's so that's how based it is and so it, the reason i mentioned the slavery thing is that that's like the race baiting bullshit that we're all subjected to now but it's it's all he's not subject to this divide and rule shit like Oh, you, you're a Jew, you're a black guy, you're a bloody English prick with a moustache. Like, it's it's universal, but it's exactly what you said. It, it's yeah, And you have to have that class consciousness because that's all this divide and rule shit. It's never about class anymore. And that's why, because that's what the real division is. The real division is us and them. Yes. We don't even know who the fuck they are. Right. <laughs> and that's why I like, that's why I really think he's so important for people to read and understand because it, he helps people learn how to think about the issues. He doesn't yeah. purport to have some great solution that you can really argue about. That's why I say I would love to have somebody come forward and, and tell me how Spooner's wrong. Yeah. He's not wrong now whether right. or not he can be brought in and it can be implemented is a totally separate issue than whether he is right and if he's right then that it matters because it's not a question of well like marx marx gets a lot of stuff right, right. he, he yeah. is very accurate about a lot of stuff he's he, he turns it of course because of the people who were paying him but yeah. but, <laughs> but also just being but a he, fucking general parasite of a person. That's right. <laughs> but I mean, he was very bright and he got oh, a yeah. lot of stuff right. And that's why he's easy. That's why he can be used for the purposes that he is used for because his stuff sounds good. And because Spooner doesn't have a rallying point, like every other problem you, you guys and, and people like me run up against, which is how do you organize people for individual rights? It's almost impossible because that doesn't work. You can organize people for these concepts, these conceptual rights about white people and, and constitution and black people and so-called equal treatment and all these made up things that are Barnum statements. But when you get down the nitty gritty, my rights, they, they bump up against yours. And, and the idea of we're going to get a collective together to somehow go forward to push for Spooner, it doesn't work. And that's why, to me, he's he's so critical to understand because he can be used in pretty much any kind of setting today since every single thing involves some kind of governmental intervention. If you're well grounded in his concepts and you really understand them, you can't get moved off center. And you can always point out why it is that what they're suggesting is not fair and reasonable. And you have to always argue from that point. And that's I just I just don't see anybody else who ever puts stuff together like Spinner does. Like you mentioned, he's so incredibly consistent. 
He's yeah. so stinking consistent. He's yes, he's he's an abolitionist. Yes, he's against a war. I mean, how many people are going to be able to do that? It's yeah. and he's it's because his positions make sense because they aren't political positions. They aren't they aren't based in these kinds of other ideas. It's oh, just they're strictly based. about. Yeah. yeah, they're based. They're, they're extremely based. <laughs> yes, they are, aren't they? But they, they he was in favor OG of OG based. Yeah. He was a buddy of John Brown's, I believe. So he was in he I was don't, in favor. I don't doubt it. Yeah, he was in favor of military action, but he wanted to arm the slaves and uh and Right. And Be open about it. Honor. Yeah. Right. And I I've I've told people this all the time that you can't have a war to hold a voluntary union together. It makes no damn sense. You can have a war to go down and free slaves if that's what you want to try to do. Good luck yeah. to you. Get the get the action together. But then you can't purport that you now somehow brought them back in and it's a voluntary union. It doesn't work. That's all. No. You can't have both of those concepts and you know, that's always the problem with these kind of freedom people. And of course, even up. this is how base Spooner is. Even pre-Civil War, he decided the Constitution was bullshit. Total crap. <laughs> he knew. Well, he read yeah. it. All yeah. you got to do is read it. And once you read it and you see how they're interpreting it, it's over. And beyond the fact that if you read it, uh, and it's an argument I don't I've never seen him make, but I still think it's a very, very strong argument against the Constitution. And that is that nobody can tell you what any of these uh, phrases mean. See, the, the phrases are too ambiguous yeah. uh, what, to control interstate commerce. They're, they're, that doesn't that's too broad. There's mm -hmm. no way to agree to something like that. And when terms are too vague, which I think under any circumstance at this point, you can make an absolute airtight argument that. Whatever the terms are, there is no agreement on them. That that has now been 100% hammered out after 240 years of total disagreement all over the place from one side to the other, that nobody agrees on what the terms are. If you, nobody can agree on the terms, you cannot have an agreement. It's not possible. You can't have an agreement that's only open to, unless the Constitution said this agreement shall be whatever a group of people decides it is, unless that's what everybody's agreed to, you don't have an agreement. You don't, you just don't have an agreement. And uh, I think the reason that Spooner never brought it up is because the world was so incredibly different back then. Yeah. I've, I've let people know that even the attorney general up really until the Civil War, they kept an entirely separate private practice going while they were attorney general because there wasn't enough work for them. Right. There was no Department of Justice. Think about that. No Department of Justice. They just hired out and did contract labor. They just hired lawyers to do some miscellaneous stuff here and there. The president himself didn't even really have assistance. He had to, Lincoln himself had to pay like his own nephew or some crap to be his assistant. And yeah. so, you know, it's really you could actually go and get an appointment with the president. They had right. often had open office hours. I mean, <laughs> this is it's so far from what we had. I think that's the reason it never came as Spooner never bothered with the argument, because there was the government was so, so small and did so little uh, compared to that, that the other arguments were so much more compelling. But I think as of today, the most compelling argument that the Constitution is utter shit is that nobody can agree about what it means. Yeah. yeah, That is not a contract. There's impossible to have a contract where the parties don't agree. They fundamentally totally disagree about what the contract allegedly says. That's it. So therefore, there is no contract. That's 
It fails. And that's not it even fails. touching the fact with which is largely a big part of his argument about how I didn't sign any fucking paper. I right. didn't sign that's any consent. fucking constitution. That's consent, which is a fantastic one. And I can say we don't even have to argue about the stupid. Oh, OK, yeah. fine. You can say well, all these other made up reasons. Nobody can argue that there's agreement about what it says. Nobody, because it's open and obvious that the, the, the Democrats are on one side, the conservative libertarians are on another side. Each one of them says that it means something completely different. There's no agreement. You, you don't have a basis for an agreement. That is it. It legally fails. But, like the, uh, but that sort of the acceptance, like you were saying, that if you accept one piece of bullshit, yep. You've got to eat it all. Now that they talk about the fucking social contract. Right. For fuck's sake. I didn't sign that. And even... It, it, I'm not constrained by lockdown. your morality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I drive drunk. <laughs> a, 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 another lockdown... Um, in spirit, well, I don't know what you call it. A uh, bit of self-enlightenment that came that came to me was even if the social contract did exist, then it's now invalid for breach of performance because under the social contract, I'm entitled to school for my Your kids. services. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it's That's endless agreements that the social contract has the exact same problem as the uh, so-called constitution in our country. You can't have both. You can't have a social contract and a constitution. That's impossible. Right. They're, they're completely and totally, uh, diametrically opposed one's a written yeah. specific agreement the other one's this amorphous blob but even if it's an amorphous blob you still have to have something that's sufficiently concrete to be able to at least articulate for each person and and that you don't have that either right forget that you don't have an enforcement mechanism against them in any form or fashion when the state fails to perform so if the state if one of the things is that the state has to provide some kind of education if that's part of the social contract and that's why they're allowed to even require it or oversee it well then they don't have any right to cut it off yeah, <laughs> it's just, exactly. you, you can't have them both it's just every type of thing is and that's see but that that's a good point to me about why it is so important to understand and read someone like Spooner, because it's so easy in the modern world. They, they spend so much time trying to distract people into these these arguments that don't make any difference, where everyone's yeah. arguing about, well, they shouldn't do it. Maybe they shouldn't go to school that long. No, let's stick to dialectical the conflict. Yeah. Right. Stick to the fundamental. Right. Just why even argue about it? Just so, well, they don't have any authority to do that. It's completely conflicts with the concept of your social contract. But there's see, there's no public discussion that's ever directed like that ever. No, you're not allowed to think that you're allowed to you're, you're allowed to uh, discuss what the interest rate should be. But you're not allowed to. There discuss you go. Whether, the whether or not they're going to raise it or should raise it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. Not whether they have any authority to have any control or anything about the interest rate, just how much it should be and whether they should keep it. And whether they should, should be benefit. legal tender laws. Even. There you go. Which yeah. two <laughs> should be in charge of it. <laughs> there you go. You get nothing. You get literally nothing. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. F- fucking U.S. Constitution, social contract. How about I'm doing none of it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it's like the, the 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 very concept of the social contract is pretty much the same as the um, logic they use to it's say. It's infuriating that when people sort of, of invoke, were, invoke the social contract. Yeah. The children who could be born slaves. It's the same. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's the same mental gymnastics, isn't it? 
Uh, there's absolutely no difference that you get born into an arrangement you have no say about. It's like, that doesn't yeah. make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. I, when people tell me that it's the, the, the freedom and a free society, well, um, what are the terms? And then they just give you these vague terms. Like, well, I'm not going to get born into that and be locked into it and then be told I'm free any more than you're going to you know, get born into a system. They're going to tell me that I, I that common law as opposed to some contractual bullshit corporate law is somehow superior. Both of them are just made up things that serve a certain interest group and they, they, they flower it up and they cover it up with these, these amazingly liberty sounding phrases that at their heart are the exact opposite of uh, personal liberty and freedom, the exact opposite. And it's just, it's just very frustrating that people considering how much media they consume, right? When you look at how much media consumes, especially people, there's a lot of people who at least think they want freedom and liberty. There's a lot of people who listen to uh, conservative, libertarian-ish kinds of stuff and and you consider the live, just by the way but okay i understand but there <laughs> yeah. are there are people there's yeah, probably yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, people sure. or something right i got you one know, uncle. My, my sister used to live in boston for years and i knew people up there and yeah there's a lot of liberalism but there's a lot of confused political ideology that people that call mm-hmm. themselves liberal but they're really they're very actually mm-hmm. libertarian in most ways and but they were very confused and again that's that's the kind of the point i'm i i'm trying to make at least in a half-ass way which is with the you look at the the total amount of time that that americans spend axing out the sports ball people who are uninvolved people who are trying to focus on learning about liberty and they care and they and they want to understand they want they're just led into the absolute worst kind of ditch where they just they're taught and their disgust is utterly irrelevant, has no chance of ever working and doesn't even discuss any of the points that matter. They just distract them all. Are you talking about the LP? No difference. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just saying uh, there really is no mainstream, even remotely mainstream thing that's getting a large amount of traction that discusses actual issues of liberty. There just isn't one. That's history almost podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Well, again, right? We're dealing with such extremely tiny audiences, yeah, yeah. right? Imagine if people, when they turned on, um, I don't, do y'all have talk radio over there in uh, Britain? Uh, what American yes. talk radio? It's not oh. like American talk radio. Okay. I mean, they have but Nigel have Farage on it. Okay. Well, you have, but you have some <laughs> kind of political asshole. talk that that people get on. They call in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just imagine if if instead of it being what it is, it, it actually discussed legitimate issues like you guys discuss or that I might discuss about real issues of legal tender laws. And where does this come from as opposed to arguing about whether it should be up or should be down or the interest rates or they need to reduce the budget or you're in fantastic yeah. signed budget. If they actually talked about real issues, like where's the consent? Who's agreed to any of this crap? What is a social contract? If people actually had a conversation about that, wow, the world would change. It would change. And that's precisely why the people in power don't allow it to happen. Because it, once that ball got rolling, you'd never be able to stop it. You'd yeah. never be able to stop it. Yeah. There's a, tre- there's a trend going on in... Uh... I don't know if it's finished because I, I don't actually consume any media at all, but I did. It came to my attention that uh, somebody called into a, a, like a national talk show and they 
bamboozled the call screeners by saying, I just want to say, I think the lockdown should go on ever and they should fucking vaccinate uteruses. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so they let him go on and he, and he, he spat some truth bombs. And so all the cranks were, you know, Right, and so now, and it, it was in the newspapers and everything because this guy who's not you're not supposed to be allowed to say anything got on the fucking radio and said some shit. Said and some that's shit. the I see that all the time where you'll see a little tiny person gets some. Yeah, you get a lot. You get a like a local show or something, or even a national show. Some little clip. Those little times of things they go viral because yeah. most people have never even heard of it, and huge numbers of people want to hear more of it. And, right, yeah. and that's that's what is just clear evidence that the entire industry is totally controlled because they will get an incredible amount of phone calls and and positive feedback and and in, well just audience interest in clips like that. But they don't they don't encourage it. They don't allow it. No. They don't continue it. They shut it down each time, which just shows you that it's when you hear these stories. Oh, it's a free market to drive. That's what the <laughs> bullshit. If you put a real show on there and, and, and gave real information, it would blow up. In yeah. this country, there was a guy named Tom Likas. I don't even know if he's on the air anymore. He's, oh, but my God. Have you seen what he's up to lately? No, I haven't. Fully vaccinated was, Tom Likas is his, oh is his Twitter well, account. 25 <laughs> years ago, Likas was was great. And he was sort of early manosphere. Blow me up, Tom. <laughs> he was a very early manosphere kind of guy. He got on there and he just, he just went off. And okay, his, his material was obviously just shock jock to the nth degree, but he spoke a hell of a lot of truth back then. It was on a topic they didn't care about because it was about personal relationships, right. but pick up artists. His yeah. show was incredibly popular because he spoke so bluntly. And the reality is if people were exposed to blunt truth about liberty and and freedom and how much they're lied to by people, the show would be so fantastically popular. Yeah. And that's precisely why they do not allow it. They cannot let that genie out of the bottle. They never can. Yeah. William said earlier to me um, while we were discussing tonight's episode that at his sentencing, he'd like to read no treason. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I said, all I would say is, Go ahead and shoot me. You'll never kill what I represent. <laughs> but it's true, though. That's, uh, that You can't kill that out of people. Like, people will. No. If you can take, cut my head off, the hydra of freedom will always grow another head. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. That they're really very, very much trying to memory hold that stuff. They're, they're trying to drive everything into digital. Amazon's got that gigantic, uh, and so does Google. They have huge uh, enterprises that are involved in digitizing all these different works. And then they're just going to physical media, you're baby. Get, you're not going to be able to get print. It, it's only going to be digital. They're going to slowly erase and change and, and, and memory hole these different documents and rewrite them. And nobody will know because it's digital and it'll be very, very hard to prove. And over time, they will be able to kind of get rid of that stuff. And the people will want freedom. They'll have the desire for freedom, but it'll be way, way more difficult to find literature like Spooner uh, that is so clearly written to like jumpstart people because a lot of people they have an idea in their head and it kind of amorphous blob and kind of just kind of bounces around until they hear someone or they read something like oh damn that's exactly what i was just thinking and then it crystallizes and they're able to have a coherent kind of thought structure about it and yeah 
you know, I just think the world would be so different if legitimate ideas were discussed um, that people are clearly interested in. I, I just, I know they would. And I mean, it's just, it's just a shame to me that it's, that the world is, is constructed like this and that I happen to be living in a time where there's so many brainwashed people. It's just so brainwashed. There really is an appetite for, for liberty, even though most people aren't educated on it. There's I mean, huge. I, 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 it really cheered me up for a little while, actually. I, I went to this demonstration that I got fined for going to. <laughs> and uh, the, the reason that there was no media coverage at, of any of these, even the ones with millions of of people showing up. But this one, it was quite early on and there was, uh, it was fairly small, you know, maybe a few thousand people. And uh, they don't want it on TV because it was absolutely mixed. There were, there was uh, don't tread on me flags. There were commies there. There were, you know, uh, people of all races there was some one of the speakers was a young Muslim who was denouncing the imams for for saying the vaccine was kosher, uh, and it was and everybody was talking to each other. Uh, every, there were there were like middle aged respectable women there, uh, all kinds of people. Everyone's getting on just fine. Right. I was I was hanging around with these like uh, these these uh, lefty anarchists who who like you know go to whatever protests going on and, and we, one of them was wearing a t-shirt that, that said everybody's okay except liberals <laughs> <laughs> and that was it we were like and uh, everybody can get on really really well and they don't want they don't want to you know people who are supposedly politically opposed aren't really that opposed everybody wants spooner yeah <laughs> it's true and, and, yeah they can't have that on TV. Everybody loves Spooner. It's a CBS sitcom, and he he's like, Deborah, <laughs> uh, I don't believe in slavery. <laughs> yeah, I really do believe that the, the vast majority of people get along fine. They stir trouble. Um, anyone who read any of Howard Zinn's work, he, he does a decent job of showing how they intentionally stirred the, the race trouble for hundreds of years yeah. in order to create that problem. Uh, I just, I don't find that most people I prefer people the Jim are... Goad treatment of it, to be honest. Um, of Red Deck okay. Manifesto. Same same thesis, by the way. Right. I just like his, yeah. le- Jim Goad's funnier and, uh, I don't know, just less yeah. fucking preachy. Okay, well, I'm not <laughs> saying that I'm recommending. I'm just saying that yeah. that concept, that it's it's this idea that there is so much race hatred for the that that's just mostly just made up crap that's, again, yeah. just stirred yeah, up rich trouble. Trick. It's just, that's all it is. It's just stirred up like everything else. And if and they just cannot have honest discussions because they'll always lose. And so they have to control all of this media interaction and drive it all into these Overton windows of just nonsense. And, you know, I, I'm convinced that a large number of people who don't consume a lot of so-called political media would consume a significantly larger amount than nothing if there was something that wasn't such a complete load of bullshit yeah. plays, you know, that a lot of people, they listen to this is what a bunch of shit. And they just, they immediately turns them off, which is of course 
Valid. One of the main goals, that's that's the desire. They want to turn a large number of people off and just demoralize them and make them give up. And so they won't be participating because the system's just going to roll on. But it is yeah, it's all just, just a problem. divide and rule propaganda. That's all it is. It's all uh, it is, just over and over. Even like, so left and right as concepts are from the French Revolution, which is like the gayest revolution of all time. Right. It's like, it's and one you don't want to be involved with. Yeah, exactly. So, like, that whole dialectic is bullshit. But I was just thinking the other day that, like, anything you think, find yourself, any kind of group or institution or something that you find yourself feeling strongly about just ask yourself the question is this just divide and rule because i think that even nationalism is just divide and rule at this point. course because the whole well, has been for at least fucking 80 yeah, years since, yeah because yeah. like basically you've got a, a the global economical and political system is is basically some kind of new kind of fascism without the nationalism so you know you've got the 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 means of production knows no borders and it owns every single government in the world, so it's basically fascism, right? But without the without the well, neoliberalism, so why, just, neoliberalism yeah. is just rebranded fascism. Yeah. So why why are Gay we fascism, <laughs> homo fascism? <laughs> so why are we allowed to have our nations and and whatnot to feel? like we want to pick up a rifle for or whatever. It's just to divide us. That's the only reason we're allowed that luxury. The, the nations nations don't mean anything. Left doesn't mean anything. Right doesn't mean anything. Race doesn't mean anything. It's class does. You know, the class is there's a handful of fucking people who have got their hands on the levers and we're the and everybody else Claws. is the ones dancing around. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's well, right. Yeah. Before we get out of here, um, I just a couple more. Uh, if he couldn't be any more based, uh, yeah. Spooner <laughs> spoke out against usury. He just, I just can't get tired. I'm tired of winning with this guy. Um, and uh, he what? Knew. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Um, fucking. He didn't give a fuck about oh, yeah. China, which we should all follow. Yes. But I was just going to say, we didn't even mention the thing that almost everybody basically brings him up to talk about, which is the American Letter Mail Company. Yeah. Um, Another one. Yes. Yeah. Which, you know, it, it's it's kind of like a he had sort of a Pyrrhic victory in a sense, um, because yeah. he did end up losing the book. So let me just just for those who don't know. Um, at the time, in the 1840s, um, the, uh, there pretty much was only one um, way to send mail in the United States, which would be the U.S. Postal Service. Yep. And but um, Spooner, it, like it, it was like 25 of- cents in 1840, like to send a yeah. fucking letter, which is absurd. Accounting for inflation, it was like, I think it's eight dollars or something. Way more. <laughs> Okay. Well, this. Oh, yeah. You're right. I was listening to a podcast that was maybe five or six years ago where they discussed the number, the exact yeah. prices. But um, regardless, um, the, the, Spooner correctly identified the fact that there is nothing. While in the U.S. Constitution, it does provide um, the framework for a U.S. Postal Service uh, to be federally administered. It doesn't say anywhere in there about uh, it being it having to have a monopoly on um, such service. So he said, fuck it. Why don't I try to undercut the mail 
um, uh, the U.S. Postal Service and make a profit for myself, which, by the way, commies BTFO. Um, just <laughs> guy clearly liked to turn a profit. Um, but uh, the thing that I, I think like the is the idea of it anyway. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, he didn't really get away with it too much. But uh, it's funny too because I I think what one of the things he did was he literally like sort of cost benefit analysis and goes, well, it's supposed to be this much. If I charge this much for a fucking letter to be sent, and I could just send a guy on a train. <laughs> you can just jump on a train with a bag of mail and go down and then personally hand it out. <laughs> and um, this became, and I, I guess other people also took the, his cue and did this. And th this was sort of like and a death by a thousand was would would be a death by a thousand cuts for the U.S. Postal Service. Um, but they over they you know here's another uh, example of fucking. Um, of uh, legal abuse, by the way, um, is they l l litigated him out of existence, essentially. There yeah. you go. And, and right. It's like there are crumbs of comp like uh, going back to what's happening here in, in our particular hellhole of, of Great Britain. The apparently some school is again not reported in the media, obviously, but some of the school teachers who are. Uh, running these vaccinations for the children aged 12 to 17. Apparently the uptake has been very poor. The government's disappointed with it. But, and I, a lot of this, because they're sending a fucking private contractors in to do it, right? Which is being run by fucking Richard Branson. This is a global, <laughs> talk about global fascism, right? That this guy- Richard fucking Branson. Yeah. Sir. So oh, right, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> it, and uh, so apparently the the, comp the Branson's lethal injection company is showing up <laughs> and saying to the head headmaster of headmasters who were awake, saying to the headmaster, okay, uh, I, I need a list of the, the kids, please. And they're saying, no, I'm not allowed to give you that. It's a breach of data protection. Uh, and they're... <clears throat> But while that's a nice little comforting victory for now, they'll just change the rules. Oh yeah, yes, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's what they do. They just go, oh, uh, does this this law protect you from this? Oh well, we don't want you to be protected from that anymore. Get rid of it. Or but they won't they won't ease the burden of that data protection law and everybody. They'll just make a specific derogation for that. They'll say we'll pass an act of parliament or a regulation that says. Data protection laws don't apply to vaccinating kids. Right. Okay. Yes. A nice easy With regards to Sir Richard Branson's contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, these, it, I keep saying I really need to read Kafka because I'm pretty sure this is Kafka esque, but I've never read him. So I don't, I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. But the, the, uh, pretty, bo both of his, his major works are pretty short. You could just probably right. bang them out pretty quick. Yeah, I'm just, it's getting round to it. I've got such a long reading list. I know, it is. I know. But, um, High school level, by the way, also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, the this MP got murdered. Right, right. So, yeah, so, he was one of the good ones. It's kind of. I mean, he wasn't that good, but he, he was... I, I, we're like, speaking in, in, you know, perspective yeah, relative here. Relative to <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... A guy, an MP who was opposed to vaccine passports, at least, was murdered by 
a Muslim immigrant, mm -hmm. in quotation marks. Hmm. Because none of those have intelligence connections at all, mm -hmm. do they? I mean, like that Manchester I, bomber turned out to be MI6, you know? Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I'm pretty sure it, we've already drawn the line uh, of the organization that the, the Somalian guy who stabbed that guy to death. We've already been able to draw a fucking very distinct line over to some to a, a terror cell that is connected with the CIA. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're all spooks or at least have been spooks. But regardless of that, uh, the answer to this, the legislature, obviously, we must. An MP got stabbed, so we must have a new law about white supremacy. Let me guess. No, God, I'll give you. I'll give you another guess. See if you can guess what the law is. Uh, okay, vaccine hesitancy. No, it's to ban people from being anonymous on social media. <laughs> okay, well, yes. that's as night follows day. <laughs> well, that'll fix it. <laughs> wow. Because he was a well-known user of 4chan, this Somalian yeah. immigrant. <laughs> wow. So is wow. is that Kafkaesque? No, it's not. That no. isn't. No. Yeah. Kafkaesque no, Kafka is being stuck in a bureaucracy you can't get out of. Right. Oh, but we're, we're going to talk about a movie just like that tomorrow. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's, we talked about it yesterday. On yes. Thursday. <laughs> Thursday, yes. This past Thursday. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, that's a great opportunity. So, Legal Man, what would you like to promote to the listeners? Oh, you know, I've got a podcast called The Quash. If they want to listen, that's probably the easiest find, way to listen to my stuff. I, uh, I'm also, I'm on Twitter. People can go over there and find me. I'm Legal Man at U.S. Law Review. And I would say that, you know, I'm doing this movie, The Jones Plantation, and it's, I'm not really necessarily plugging me, but I think the movie's a great, a really, really great project. It was written by Larkin Rose. Anybody in the Liberty Movement knows Larkin Rose. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't know that. I knew you were in that movie. I didn't know he had anything to do with it. Yeah, yeah. It's written by him. And it's, it's you know, he's got a short on the on YouTube. It's been out for a decade, probably, called The Jones Plantation. It's based on that. But this is a full-length film. And I'm going to play Mr. Jones. And we finally got everybody uh, cast. We've been really struggling because of the COVID crap has mm -hmm. been made it very difficult. We can't use SAG people really. Um, uh. They're going to cross lines or not cross lines. Was, and so the thing was just been delayed. Uh, was going to shoot this summer and then early this fall, but we finally actually got a date and now we're going to shoot in January and we still hope, expect that the, the movie will be out by like late spring, early summer of next year. And I, just, I really hope people go support it because it's a great way to it's an allegory about the Federal Reserve and how we're all slaves on a plantation. Yeah. And uh, and, you know, we were all trying to figure out ways we can reach a different kind of segment of the people. And I think I think the movie at least has a chance. It really does. It's a really great script. It's, I think it's going to be I'm looking forward to doing it. I've never done anything like that. And uh, so that's the whole reason. So I, I hope people like that. But, yeah, if they want to listen to my stuff, they like what I say. They can just listen to my podcast, The Quash. Uh, and you're at U.S. Law Review on yeah yeah legal man at U.S. Law Review on Twitter and in my and my and my the quash is all over that tweet so uh, everything on my account if they want to look at they can find it there it's easy awesome. enough. Well, thank you very much for the for coming on the show again. Um, it was great. Uh, Had fun. Always and, do. Likewise. And for us, uh, the audio version we got Pikachu obviously uh, on the on the other end of the line here. Uh, 
Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> Is that your costume? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, my daughter made it for me. It looks great. good. Looks great. Um, what's it called? This is, the, uh, this is the felt that we bought to make our yellow stars out of. Oh, good. I'm glad you're recycling <laughs> it at least. <laughs> um, anyway, though, so uh, www.historyhomos.com or uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts for the audio version, BitChute, Odyssey, uh, and Rockfin, where you can also find our review of Brazil. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this past Thursday. Um, uh, at www.rockfin.com that's r-o-k-f-i-n.com slash history homos uh, there's a premium episode every week plus you can just watch the free episodes that we put out every week such as this one on there yeah. on the main feed over there at um but um yeah. yeah if you want to watch a video episode watch it on there yeah. because even if you're not signed up you can still watch it and it's and it counts totally towards our shit, so it helps us um, yeah. And uh, other than that, oh yeah, uh, at History Homos Pod all across social media and anything you need to find of ours, uh, you can go to the link tree in that uh, in that bio. And then also the other thing I wanted to promote is our T-shirts. Uh, when the front it has the logo, and on the back we got the Sacred Heart of Uncle Ted. Um, and, uh, for that, um, you email me at historyhomos at gmail.com with your size and address, uh, shipping. The t-shirts cost $20 and it's shipping, uh, it, domestically in the United States is $10. Uh, but if you're outside of the U S just email me, we'll figure something out. Uh, and other than that, die with dignity and don't forget you even if you shoot me, you'll never kill what I represent. <laughs> William, what do you want to say? Become ungovernable. <laughs> Indeed. Later, homos. That's a good one. People like us Who will answer the telephone People like us Growing big as a house People like us Gonna make it because We don't want freedom Just